When it comes to conspiracy theorists, they claim to have a deeper understanding of political, socioeconomic events that occur behind closed doors. They say that they've done what few people are willing to do, research. But how well is this research? And is it research at all? What credentials do these individuals have? And why do they know more about science than the scientists themselves? I am your social chemist Nelson, and today we'll be exploring the psychology of not knowing. If you're listening on Spotify, click on that follow button for me. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, click on that subscribe button for me and leave me a five-star review. By doing so, you help expose this podcast to people who might be interested in conspiracy theories within politics. You can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Social Chemist. Also, share this podcast with your friends to have some interesting discussions about today's episode. With that being said, let's dive in. If you ever talk to a conspiracy theorist about a specific conspiracy theory, it would seem like they are experts on the very subject. For example, some individuals claim that vaccines cause autism, that 5G is suppressing our immune system, causing people to get the coronavirus, and that the World Trade Center collapsed not because of the impacts of the planes and the heat generated from the explosion, but because it was an inside job planned demolition. At the same time, if you ask people what are their credentials in biology, chemistry, physics, history, economics, political science, and psychology, you'll find out that for the most part that these people sharing this knowledge with you don't have the requirements necessary to back it up, to back up their claims. And I think that's very telling. As some of you might know, I'm currently in graduate school getting my master's degree in clinical social work. And let me tell you, if you're an undergraduate heading to graduate school, get ready because it's constant writing and you barely have time for yourself. And I'm saying this as a part-time student. Now, in my program, every week, we're giving articles to read, and we're required to write about the reading and give our two cents and talk about how it relates to our studies. And every time I read an article, I'm fascinated by what I learn. And after I'm done reading it, I tell myself, I'm going to look more into this when I get a chance. However, I never do get a chance because by the time I'm finished with one reading, I have another assignment due. And this sucks for me because I want to know as much as possible about everything. But how realistic is that goal? Can I know everything? Can I become an expert in biology, chemistry, physics, economics, and so on? Can I master every academic discipline and become an ultimate academic badass? No. I simply do not have the time to read every book in the world, watch every political documentary. As a matter of fact, I don't even know the exact details of how JFK got shot, or what really is the conspiracy behind his assassination? You would think that if I'm doing a podcast about conspiracy theories, that as a host, I would know every detail of the conspiracy. But I don't know. As of this moment, I do not have the time to look into that conspiracy theory, or the dozens of other conspiracy theories, which would probably take half of my life to dissect and memorize. And I feel like you as a listener, you can relate to this. You want to know as much as possible, but for whatever reason, life has you scheduled with other responsibilities, like work, maybe you have a child, or maybe you're like me who barely has time for himself, 
much less this podcast. However, let's say that you did have all the time in the world to do the research on every academic discipline there is. Would you be able to grasp all that knowledge? For example, to become a clinical psychologist, that takes eight years to accomplish, and that's if you get accepted straight from undergraduate. If you don't, you would have to get a two-year master's degree just to increase your chances to get a PhD or a PsyD. Now, that's just to become a psychologist in a specific field of psychology. You can get a PhD in school, social, forensic, child, and clinical psychology, and your specialty will be focused on a specific population. If you decide to pursue a career as a school psychologist, your area will mostly be focused on children in a school environment. That being said, as a school psychologist, you would be less effective in psychoanalyzing a serial killer because that's not what you went to school for and it's not what your specific program trained you for. So how come conspiracy theories claim to have all the answers to every political and social event? How come they know how vaccines work when they don't even know the basics of chemistry. How am I so sure that they don't know? Well, because I don't know. I did take a chemistry class during my undergraduate years, but that doesn't make me an expert. I also took five courses on political science, but that doesn't make me a political theorist or an analyst. Even in psychology, I don't know all the answers. Sometimes I'll have friends come up to me telling me how they date shitty people, And then they ask if it has something to do with them having daddy issues. Maybe it does. I don't know. That's not my area of interest. However, if you're interested in the mindset of a pedophile, then I'm your guy. But even then, I'm still limited in my knowledge of that population. They say that pedophilia starts before you're even born, and that the cause is due to the neurological wiring of the brain. But if you ask me what part of the brain causes people to become pedophilic, Guess what I'm going to tell you? I don't know. And so if I'm limited to even my area of interest, I have a good feeling that conspiracy theorists are as well. I'm currently reading a book called Suspicious Minds, Why People Believe in Conspiracy Theories. And in the book, the author talks about what we know, what we know we don't know, and what we don't know of what we don't know. Now try saying that three times and tell me how it outworks out for you. What do these three statements mean, and how do they apply in real life? Let's use my last episode, for example, the 2020 election discussion. Now, if you listen to that episode, you'll notice a lot of things, or I did at least. And goddamn, let me tell you, I was beyond nervous doing that discussion. You can hear it in my voice. And especially when midway through answering my friend's question, I start saying one thing and end up switching topics by the end of my response. Like, I had lost my train of thought, and it honestly showed me how difficult podcasting really is. But I digress. Prior to having that discussion with my friends Sergio and Sam, I already knew that I was the less informed of the three of us. Both of my friends have backgrounds in political science, history, and economics. As I said before, I'm a psychology major with only five classes of political science in my back. That is insufficient to be knowledgeable about the economy or the presidential election. And I knew that going in. What I did not know was how much I didn't know. And that's very difficult to measure unless you're surrounded by people who know more than you. In that episode, my friend Sergio asked me what I think about people saying that their views are being censored by social media. And in my blob of incoherence response, I tried to say that I don't think that social media is infringing in anyone's rights. And I attempt to use the First Amendment as evidence for my argument. 
because the First Amendment forbids government from infringing in your freedom of speech, but it never says anything about social media. So therefore, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram really have the right to censor whoever they please because social media platforms are independent businesses. And if you're a Republican, you're cool with that. You're cool with not having government telling you how to run your own business. That's what I was trying to construct in my response in that episode. What I actually said was a complete disaster. Again, I was nervous and I had a mental blockage as soon as I clicked the record button. I need to get better at public speaking. Anyways, in response to that, Sergio throws a counter argument using that social media should be regulated to fight misinformation as it wouldn't be the first time we adjusted our laws to address developments that would come down the future. And he uses the agencies like the DEA to make his point as the federal government was never intended to control drugs, but with time, they found loopholes to do just that. Now, whether you agree with me or Sergio is not of concern right now. I use this example because it demonstrates the three stages of knowing. Let's break it down. The conversation starts with my understanding of the First Amendment. This is me knowing what I know. Me knowing what I don't know is my acknowledgement that I am limited to my understanding of politics and laws compared to Sergio and Sam. I am aware of this. So what is me not knowing what I don't know? Well, that's when Sergio starts talking about the Tenth Amendment and the federal agencies like the DEA. See, not only did I not know about the substance of the Tenth Amendment, I didn't know that it was applicable to our conversation. If I didn't have that conversation with Sergio, I would have not known how deep my lack of understanding of the amendment was. This is a perfect example of not knowing what I don't know. So imagine how much conspiracy theories don't know. Even when they claim they know how vaccines work, how political systems work, how cancer is caused, think about how much time someone needs to dedicate to master all this knowledge. Like I said, I spent six years as an undergraduate in psychology, and even I don't know every psychological theory and every therapeutic method. So if even PhD professors know that their expertise only reaches so far, then I guarantee these conspiracy theorists claiming to be experts have no idea what they're talking about or understand the basics of science or anything academic. Now, a counter-argument that conspiracy theories claim is that they've done research and that people like me are sheeps, that we're not woke, we're not conscious, that our third eye is not open, that we're not ascended whatever that means. They also ridicule you if you listen to the experts. Like if that's a bad thing, because every expert is somehow a part of the conspiracy theory. Doctors are trying to kill you and schools are trying to indoctrinate communism. Let's address research and experts. We'll start with research. Conspiracy theories will brag about research like if only a few people are able to do it. And I'm sorry to break it down to a conspiracy theorist, but anyone can do research. A few weeks back, I was looking for a new microphone because I realized that the one I had was a condenser microphone, and condensers actually pick up every little sound in the background, which was driving me crazy to the point that I was going to spend $1,000 on an audible studio called Isovox. Now, luckily, I did my research and found out that all I needed was a dynamic microphone that only picks up sound in front of it, which is what I'm using right now. Now, anyone in my position could have done the same research and brought the same microphone, However, what I can't do is explain the functions of this microphone. I don't know exactly the mechanics behind this mic. I don't know how it filters out the background compared to my first mic. 
my understanding of this product goes so far. I know what it does. I don't know how it does it. And so when people claim that they do research, okay, we all do research. When we go on Amazon, you're telling me you buy a product just by looking at the picture and don't search for that negative one-star review, which will make you not buy whatever you're looking at, even though there are five other reviews praising it. Again, anyone can do research, but you know what everyone can't do? And that requires training, analytical thinking. As a psychology major, I know a little bit about analytical thinking. Whenever I look at a journal article, I have to look at what the article is about, the method it used to conduct the experiment, the population that they used, the way they obtained this population, and the limitations of the experiment. I have to do all this when I write my five-page APA papers, which I love to do. Inserts sarcasm. I found these skills useful when I'm challenged by conspiracy theorists who will share research only for me to find out that what they sent me was an abstract of an article that they didn't read because to access the article you have to pay $49, money I don't think people are willing to spend to be proven wrong. I've come across articles where the sample size is 30 people and at the very end the author of the article will state that this is a limitation and that the research on a specific topic needs to be replicated to confirm the findings. But conspiracy theorists will ignore all this and just focus on a part of the journal that agrees with whatever fits their worldview. When I call them out on it, they do one of two things. They either don't respond or they call me a sheep for being indoctrinated by the experts. So that brings me to my final point. Why do conspiracy theories hate experts and science? Would I actually argue that they don't hate science? They just hate science that disagrees with them. Andrew Wakefield is an anti-vaxxer scientist, but he's a scientist. Remember Stella Emanuel, the doctor that claimed that hydroxychloroquine was the cure to COVID-19 and that the face masks were ineffective? Yeah, she practiced science at a certain point. What about the small number of scientists who claim that climate change is not caused by fossil fuel? They're scientists too. Conspiracy theories might not engage with scientific methods, but they sure admire it when it fits their narrative. All the other 97% of scientists who agree that vaccines are safe, that fossil fuel does contribute to climate change, and that masks are effective in reducing the number of COVID-19 cases, those individuals are lying to you to keep you oppressed and scared. Is that reasonable thinking? This is my biggest issue with conspiracy theorists, because they say don't trust the experts. But if we don't trust the experts, then who do we trust? The conspiracy theorist? We've already addressed that we can only become experts in so many things, and even in those areas of expertise, we're still limited. Conspiracy theorists will say that the experts have bad intentions, and that their only job is to keep you misinformed. Well, my question is, why should I trust a conspiracy theorist? What are your intentions? What makes you an expert? What credentials do you have to back up your claims? Funny enough, Conspiracy theorists will tell you don't trust the doctors because their job is to poison you with chemicals. But they won't say the same when their car is breaking down. When they have to go to a mechanic, which is an expert in fixing cars. Being a conspiracy theorist is like if you took your car to five mechanics and four out of the five said that the problem is the transmission and only one said it's only the brakes. It would be foolish to not think the problem is the transmission and to believe the one mechanic who said it was the brakes. 
Then to be surprised when your car starts breaking down on I-97 and you start saying, but I listened to the experts. No, you didn't. You listened to the one person you wanted to agree with. If there's anything I want you to get from this episode is that it's okay not to know. It's okay to ask questions from people who know more than you. We shouldn't be ashamed to say, I don't know. Like I said many times, I don't know everything about conspiracy theories. I'm not an expert in conspiracy theories. And I'm not going to pretend to be, but at least you know my sincerity. As you know, I will never try to misinform you in any way. There's more dignity in that than pretending to have all the answers and potentially harming communities that are in a disadvantage economically and health-wise. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe. Remember, question everything with logic.